Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's message from Kyle Perkins continues the May sermon series called Fruit That Lasts, diving deep into John 15, 1 through 17. It's called Less Is More. Good morning. My name is Kyle Perkins, as other people have said. Uh, me and my wife, Maya, we lead the campus ministry here in the Lansing Church. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been here for almost two years now. It's coming up on two years in July. Uh, Maya's been here almost a year. Um, and uh, I'm going to, I just want to share too. So, unfortunately, um, Maya and my time here actually is coming to an end this summer. We're going to be moving someplace else in the Midwest. Um, and, this, is, this has been a lot of advice and prayer and, and time for us to think um, just about the next stage in our life for our marriage, and uh, it's been on our hearts to, um, to move to a different place uh, and for God to use us somewhere else. So it's very hard for me to share that to all of you. We love all you guys. Um, we've been slowly sharing this news with people, um, but uh, yeah, just wanted to make sure you guys knew that so it's not like a surprise when we're gone, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we love you guys. So um, yeah, anyway. Changing gears here. Uh, yeah, so we're continuing our series, uh, Fruit That Lasts. Uh, our main text being John 15. You know, we've been going through this, and uh, we've been learning uh, different things. We've learned a couple things that, that Joel uh, has preached on the past couple weeks. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've learned that, that God has chosen each of us uh, specifically. You know, we are, we are God's prize. We are his special possession, as it is illustrated in Scripture and, you know, God, God did not choose us because of any uh, special qualities or, or talents that we possess. You know, we are, we are imperfect people, but God chose us because he loves us so much, despite our imperfections. And he chose us to be his people and for us uh, to bear fruit for him. And we've been talking a little bit about what, what this fruit kind of looks like uh, the past couple weeks. And because, because we are God's chosen people, we have also been given the instructions on how to live in abundance with what God has given us. You know, God wants us to thrive in life. And part of living an abundant life is making decisions that, that honor God. You know, when we, when we say no to sin, God is able to give us a bountiful life and can use us to bear fruit in many ways. So today, we will discuss how we can practically work towards uh, an abundant life. And some of those practicalities uh, involve uh, removing specific things in life and, and persevering through life's trials. Uh, so today's lesson, uh, the title is Less is More. And, you know, before John 15 and John 14, Jesus he shares some, some words of encouragement to his disciples as it relates to, uh, to the beginning of this topic that we're, we're going to discuss. So we're going to be in uh, John 14, uh, verse 27, very briefly, and then we'll move on to the main text in John 15. So let's, let's turn over to John 14. Okay, it says here in, in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
um, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Okay, so Jesus shared here that, that he will be leaving his disciples, but that they should not fear what was ahead in the future. You know, this is right before what could be the most important passage in the Bible, in John 15. And what Jesus mentions next is essential for us to follow if we want to live an abundant and prosperous life. We'll keep going here. In John, in John 15, John 15, verse 1, Jesus continues on. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or, or gardener, as Joel has also mentioned. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So today, we will discover how we can live abundant lives under God by being pruned. You know, this idea of pruning in a garden, there are many reasons uh, why uh, plants or trees are pruned. Uh, it helps uh, a plant control shape. Uh, it, it prevents a plant or tree from, from having from dead branches. And most importantly, it is utilized to make a plant grow or to become more fruitful. And that, that's what we want to be. We want to be fruitful for God. And pruning, in a spiritual sense, I think can feel hard and, and discouraging. But in the long run, it allows us to bear fruit that lasts. Hence the title, Less is More. God prunes aspects of our lives where we may remain bystanders, as uncontrollable change happens before us, and in instances where we can take some action with the change in our lives. So I have, I have two points for us in relation to pruning. The first is disaster turned into beauty. Disaster turned into beauty. So in, in John 15, you know, I think this, this pruning that, that Jesus referred to is a foreshadowing for what the disciples are about to experience in the future. It could even be a foreshadowing for us as well. You know, we can often find that in times God has pruned us, we may not have always seen it as beneficial in the moment. But I think the, the, the reason for this is because pruning involves removing parts of ourselves or our lives that, that maybe feel essential or that feel closely uh, attached to, to, to who we are as individuals, but it is necessary to happen. And in the Bible, we have found many stories in which God's people experience hardship of many kinds, but all of them have led to a bigger goal that God had in mind. 
You know, I think the book of Acts uh, has many examples of this. There are several uh, traumatic situations where God's followers are, are, are experiencing certain, certain instances. And Saul, or, all, or known also as Paul in the book of Acts, was this individual who was determined uh, to kill many Christians, and, and he succeeded in different times. And we know later that this, this same individual, we know we're, we're pretty familiar with Paul, you know, Paul experienced a transformation that allowed God to use him in remarkable ways for the kingdom. So let's look at Paul's story here. We're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 9. And this will be a, a long passage here, but I think it's, it's worth looking into here. Acts 9 verse 1. So in Acts 9, verse 1, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way meaning um, part of God's movement, other disciples, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone round him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from, fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. All right. I know that was long, but again, I think it was necessary to talk about. So you see, we, we see here, so prior to, to Saul or, or Paul's conversion, he, he's viewed as this enemy uh, because of the pain that he's caused God's people. But little did the disciples know that God had big plans for Paul. More specifically, I can only imagine how Ananias felt when God told him to meet Paul. I wonder if Ananias 
felt confused or, or even hurt because God told him to meet a man who had been persecuting a community that Ananias was knitly engaged with. You know, can, can you imagine? You know, if I was in Ananias' shoes, I, I would be very perplexed. You know, I feel like I'd be like, I- I'm sorry, God, you, you want me to meet who? And you want me to do what to him? You want me to heal him? You want me to heal his eyes? If he's blind, he won't be able to do any more harm to, our, to my community, to your disciples. However, Ananias was obedient and followed God's commands. God took someone like Paul, who brought so much pain to eventually help bear so much fruit in God's kingdom. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about um, certain natural disasters that we've had on our planet that have turned into uh, world wonders for people to tour, tour and, and to, uh, uh, to, to come to and, and watch. You know, in, in the Gulf Savannah of tropical North Queensland of Australia, there is a, a world wonder awaits uh, many tourists, the Endura Lava Tubes. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> Um, it is said to have the, the longest lava tubes in the world. And about uh, 190,000 years ago, it's a, it's a long time, uh, a single volcano erupted and created an ocean of lava that filled a riverbed and extended out almost 100 miles surrounding the area. So this ancient natural disaster, what you can see here is, is a, a massive cave or other tunnels that that the Endura lava tubes created. And the, these caves and tunnels, they, they extend out from where this volcano used to be uh, surrounding the land. Here's another picture. You know, the Endura lava tubes are only one of the many natural disasters that have occurred to become something absolutely beautiful that we can, we can see. And I use this as an example because I think God... Uh, allows hard circumstances in our lives uh, to shape us and, and other people so that we can become something much more beautiful. You know, again, Paul was uh, quite a hindrance for God's people. However, God had bigger plans in mind to eventually use Paul in greater ways. And I think God's pruning process can involve hard life events that can eventually turn out into something beautiful. You know, one of the examples that I think about in, in our lives today is COVID. You know, I know this has had a, a, quite a negative effect on our world and on our church movement, but I think it is possible that God has and is still using it for something better, even if we don't see it yet. You know, COVID has forced us over the past couple of years to use technology like, like Zoom to stay connected with other brothers and sisters from around the world. And I think it, it, that has even opened more avenues for God to keep people connected uh, once the world officially becomes more, I don't know, quote-unquote normal after COVID. You know, I know that, that COVID has caused people to be isolated, but on the flip side, I have seen how it, how it has also pushed people to evaluate their, their own spiritual walks um, as they kept to themselves. You know, I remember sharing my faith on MSU's campus and, and during the, the difficult times of COVID, and there, there weren't many students on campus. A lot of them were gone, and even the few that were on campus were in their dorms mostly. But I still found people, 
And I found people who were looking for God, people who wanted to study the Bible. And I think it was because of of the effect COVID had on their lives. You know, another another example I think about that's currently happening is is the war in Ukraine right now. You know, it's had a a terrible strain on on its citizens and and our brothers and sisters and our church movement there. Uh, There are many refugees who have fled to, to neighboring countries in Europe. And it's been so hard to watch and hear what they are going through. You know, I, I recently connected with a, a brother in the, uh, the Latvian church, um, and, and he explained to me how their church region there took in uh, many mothers, children, and, and men uh, who were members uh, in the, the Ukraine church and friends to the Ukraine church. Uh, they, they took in, I think, like 80 people uh, to house in, in Latvia. And he shared that, that some of the individuals from Ukraine we're in the process of, of finding God. And even right now, are currently studying the Bible because of what has happened in Ukraine. It's, it's allowed them to, to open their perspective and to see God in a better light. So I, say, I think, you know, even in the midst of a disaster, in the midst of, of such struggle, God can begin to change people's lives in an amazing way. In the midst of, of what we can feel as a, a life disaster, you know, sometimes I think we have to be prepared to respond in such a way so that God can move powerfully. You know, again, looking back in Acts 9, Ananias, he decided to, to visit and heal Paul, even though he knew Paul was a threat to God's movement at the time. But because of, of Ananias' obedience to God, what was a disaster in the book of Acts eventually became something beautiful. And I want to ask you, church, how do you respond when facing life disasters? You know, when we face what could be felt as difficult or discouraging, it could actually be an opportunity for us to have faith in God's plan for our lives. You know, we have to look for the ways in which God can move through us even when it hurts. Eventually, we will see beauty when we resolve to cooperate with God's pruning process. My second point in this idea of being pruned is weakness turned into strength. So, you know, again, hard life events are are sometimes a part of the pruning process, and God has established this for, for many of us. This can have effect on how church operates or the ways we engage with other people, But I think another part of the pruning process can involve uh, changing our own character and and the ways we live as as followers of Jesus. You know, after we see Paul being converted, we we, we see the amazing leader that God shaped him into. Paul experienced uh, so much hardship for Jesus' name, but as a result, he became a more fruitful individual for God's kingdom. We can also become fruitful individuals like Paul. We just need the willingness to be pruned by God. In one of, the Paul's, in one of Paul's letters uh, to the church in Corinth, Paul talks about this, this thorn in his flesh. And of course, he, he probably didn't mean an actual thorn, but there are many speculations as to what he was specifically referring to. But I think, I think these verses in this letter illustrate another way God pruned Paul and can help us to see how God wants to prune us 
as well. Let's turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians 12 in verse 7. <clears throat> it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in, in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three, team, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of God, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we see here that, that Paul, he truly embraced this, this thorn or some sort of difficulty in his life that caused him pain. And this thorn brought out weakness in Paul. He embraced this weakness, because as stated, God strengthens those who are weak. And Paul, he used this pain in his life to give glory to God. Paul was forced to, to experience a, a personal hardship so that he was focused on glorifying God as opposed to glorifying himself. And I think this specific hardship was utilized to, to, to prune Paul and keep his spirituality in shape. You know, for myself, I remember uh, my time uh, back in college a couple of years ago when I was uh, fighting my way through nursing school. Uh, and that was such a hard time, guys. <laughs> I struggled through the exams, the homework, the clinicals. There were certain classes where I, I barely stayed, stayed above the passing grade and, and ended up retaking a couple courses due to failure. Um, and as I reached the end of my college career, I, I, I really hit a, a low point. And God forced me to see how much I, I was actually reliant upon him at the time. I, I, I wasn't reliant upon him. I relied too heavily on my own strength, my own knowledge through school and through my time in life that, at that time, as opposed to finding direction through my academics with God by my side. And eventually I found that when I was trying to be intentional about my time with God and the spiritual community that he gave me, Everything else was able to be set in place so that I could eventually graduate with my, with my degree and receive my, my nursing license. But, you know, I, I look at my own situation in life here, and I think God used a, a personal event like this in my life to, to shape my character. It was a, a thorn in my flesh to keep me reliant on God as opposed to myself. And during that time, I remember having to, to change my perspective. I had to see my future as a disciple of God first and not a nursing student first. You know, God helped me to, to have a different vision for my future within his terms. And I, I found this vision through my, my prayer times with God and the spiritual advisors I surrounded myself with in the church. 
And for us, I'm sure each of us could consider past or, or current situations that pull out our weaknesses, our insecurities, our, our downfalls. And maybe right now is a, a time where God is calling some of us to rely on his strength more than the strength that we think we have, but we really do not have. Um, so I want to ask you, you know, what, what weaknesses in, in your character, in your spirituality can you identify? Again, for me, it was prioritizing God over the other priorities in my life. I had to recognize that God needed to be first instead of my academic accolades. God was, was pruning me through my academics so that he could strengthen me. You know, how, how are you allowing God to strengthen you during his pruning process? God allows us to suffer in different ways because he loves us. He is pruning us in order to help us become a beautiful piece of his creation. The fruit produced in our lives is dependent upon how we respond to God's pruning process. We have to be humble enough to recognize the ways in which we are weak and be resolved to change. You know, in one of uh, Paul's letters, he sends a message to the church in Rome. And some of what he shares in this letter is what I believe to be true words of encouragement and, and inspiration. You know, Paul, Paul, an individual who was pruned by God, he shares words to an audience who were being pruned during a hard experience at this time. So we're going we're gonna to turn there. It's in Romans 8, verse 28 to 39. This is another long, longer passage but I think quite inspiring for us. In Romans 8, verse 28, uh, Paul says here, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, if if we want to be fruitful disciples of God, then we have to realize that it is only normal for us to experience life's trials and hardships. These experiences are God's way of pruning us so that we can truly bear fruit that lasts in his kingdom. So in this series, we will continue to learn how our lives can be abundant under God's rule. Again, one of them is pruning, as we've talked about, and the other is our connection to Jesus. And we'll talk about that in our next lesson. You know, Jesus Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We cannot survive without the vine. We cannot survive without Jesus. But as we wait to hear that next message, let's allow ourselves to be pruned by God so that we can bear fruit that lasts. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.